Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Everything Early Childhood. Do I have a special guest for you today? We have Christy Russell. She is an early childhood specialist, music educator, entrepreneur, and passionate advocate for high quality early childhood education and care. She's the founder and director of Movers and Shakers, a company specializing in training, mentoring, and resources with the early childhood sector in music. So when she's not working with services. She um, is a specialist for the Department for Education, Children and Young People in Tasmania. And Christy enjoys relaxing with her husband and kids, playing music herself and exploring the natural wilderness of their hobby farm. Christy is on a mission to spread the magic and power of music and mindset by supporting early learning professionals to embed musical learning and mindfulness practices in their curriculum. So we're really excited to have her with us today. So welcome Christy. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely introduction, Lisa. (laughs) We're so excited to have you with us. So obviously with the introduction, but I want to hear a little bit more about um, why this is such a passion for you. So what gets you out of bed every morning? Oh, oh my goodness me, <laughs> apart from my alarm clock and usually the kids coming in, mom, mom, it's time to get up. <laughs> um, I really love connecting with people and I love connecting with young people in particular. I just, I'm just drawn to them. Um, but, you know, I think what connects me is their openness to magic and energy and joy and passion and their curiosity I these are all the things that I have in my own self I'm a 45 year old woman but I think I'm like seriously just a five-year-old at heart (laughs) and isn't it so beautiful (laughs) that our sector and our profession can really allow us to bring that inner child out yeah, I think so. We we have, you know, I'm so happy just being really silly and making a bit of a, you know, some people might think I'm making a bit of a, a fool of myself, but I just, it keeps me young. It keeps me motivated. I mean, I just, you know, the musical part and the mindfulness as well is something that I'm deeply passionate about um, being a musician myself and, you know, having some really important personal transformations that um, that have helped me get where I am today that, you know, incorporated a lot of the mindfulness element. But I just, yeah, I really, I'm just really curious about this life that we live on this, you know, place that we call earth. It's it's quite amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it just? Exactly. Yeah. And I think we're so blessed and so grateful for those beautiful opportunities that come up as mm. well. So you mentioned that um, music and mindfulness has been a big part of transformations for you mm. in your life. So can you describe yeah. one of those for our listeners? Yeah, a few years back, um, I think it was just before COVID, I think, um, I was um, 
really struggling with chronic pain. I'd been struggling with chronic pain for a long time, um, a lot, a lot of part of my life. Um, and I discovered a journey, I, I went through, um, you know, the usual kind of medical practitioners, um, potential um, um, interventions like surgery and things like that. And I just didn't feel like I could, you know, explore that option anymore. And somebody put me on to um, mindfulness and how chronic pain symptoms can be helped through working um, through a whole different range of mindfulness techniques, including you know, CBT, tapping, um, graded motor therapy, uh, journaling, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I ventured it down that route and it really made a, a massive difference in my life, creating the ability to create new, new neural pathways, like ability to train your brain in a way that sort of um, allows the stories that you've carried with you from childhood or early adulthood reflect critically reflect reflect on those stories are they true are they serving you if not let's let them go let's let them move through you and open up to the possibilities of what your life can be and how you can be in yourself how you can show up as a person as a parent as a as a worker um and that yeah so that was really my first uh real look into the power of the mind in saying that, I would, you know, my undergraduate was in behavioural science, so I always had that element of I'm fascinated by the human brain. Um, and then when I went on to do my postgrad in early childhood teaching, you know, that was another element of how do we learn and why does music affect our brain so mm. much, you know, being a piano teacher on the side. Um, so all of the things that I'd kind of dabbled in and studied and worked at throughout my life kind of has led me here right now into forming my company and wanting to share those skills and share the power of music and mindfulness and mindset practices with other educators because you know you know yourself the early childhood education industry or the sector is is has such a responsibility to support our young people to learn at their best, thrive in their de- development and their growth. And it's it's the time when their brains are absolutely absorbing everything. So let's do all that we can to support our educators to then support our young people. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I love that you're on that mission. Thanks for sharing that. Mm, um, so let's delve into a little bit about the benefits of music. I love that, mm-hmm. that brain and neuroplasticity. So what are the benefits of music for children's brains and development? Yeah, well, there's um, there's so much research out there, but I think the practical things that we can really take away is that musical learning, when, when we're engaging with music and when we're learning music, um, there are two slightly different pathways that can happen, but all the time it engages the whole brain. So we're switching on, when we're listening to music and playing music, we're switching on the different parts of our brain that are responsible for movement, responsible for sight, responsible for hearing, obviously. Um, and we're, we're switching on our feel-good hormones. We're switching on our limbic system with our emotions. Um, we're calming. We, you know, we can calm our amygdala down to help us feel relaxed or we can boost our, our mood by putting on some, you know, really um, strong rhythmic beat, you know, uh, to, to boost that energy. So music has a real effect on our mood. 
Um, in terms of development, it can support our neural pathways to connect. So think of a young child. Um, I love this idea about clapping, clapping in time. So you might see a one-year-old trying to clap in time, a two-year-old coordinating both sides of their body to try and clap. You know, just the act- simple action that grown-ups might think, oh, it's just clapping. But for a child to actually put one hand with the other hand and make a clap, that's a big thing. And that shows that the brain is then forming that connection, actually that neural pathway in the brain. And if you then take that a little bit further as they grow older and then they can clap in time to a beat, you know, like a steady beat, clap, 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 clap. That in itself is a very significant um, physical as well as a cognitive developmental stage because then it shows that those neural pathways are not only connecting but they're synchronising. So Mm. they're in time. And there's a fascinating research, and I can't remember who it's actually by, Um, It was a research done a few years ago based in America looking at children around three to four and then four to five. If they are having difficulty clapping in time to a beat, research has shown that they're later going to have difficulties with learning how to read. And how they figured that out was that, so, you know, in in terms of looking at it as a, as a not a diagnostic tool, but we can sort of say, oh, okay, well, we might need to support them in a, in regulating their beat keeping, mm. because when we go on to later reading, where we need to be able to listen to the regular patterns in language, we need to be able to, um, you know, decipher between what's um, what's the difference between a T and a S sound or a P and an F sound and and then how to actually write that, how to form the letters. There's so many kind of moving parts. So music can help boost those neural pathways by learning music, by learning beat keeping, by learning how to, you know, how to coordinate and, and play an instrument. So there's there's some amazing research. I could talk many hours on it. <laughs> oh, and, and it brought up another study that I'm aware of. It wasn't with younger children. It was with older mm. children before exams. And you would have yeah. seen this. They played different types of music yes. and they had those study groups where they did no music, like mm-hmm. classical music. And then yeah. I can't remember what the other one was, like country music, rock and roll. Um, mm. And they said that children actually performed better with the classical music in the exam than any other mm-hmm. any of the other groups. Yeah, there's some really fascinating um, uh, research out there. And I think that's that's one thing that we're really grateful for these days. I mean, when I coming back to when I did my undergraduate again, the idea that we kind of our brain st- sort of stops learning from the age of five or six or seven, you know, we, we now know that we are able to, to make those connections later in life. It might take a little bit more effort, but mm. one story that comes to mind, and it's not to do with young children, it's actually to do with my husband who's learning the banjo. And he's been going for it all every day. He's in there, he's doing his scales and he's really loving it. And a few months passed and he said to me, do you know what? I can, I feel like I'm relaxing and I'm playing it and I'm actually enjoying it rather than thinking about it. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, you're actually, you've actually made those neural pathways that are now connected so that you don't have to 
focused your attention so much that are already made so that then you can go on to the next learning level. It's fascinating. It really is. So fascinating. And you do, mm. you've got to relax into it. Um, so yeah. that's how you and I met. I shared my <laughs> post on um, learning the piano as one of my hobbies at the moment. And yeah. it's so true. Like you do, you've got to surrender and really la- relax into it. Otherwise you get it wrong. The more you concentrate, the worse you yeah. do. Um, yeah. And that was a really bizarre concept. Um, yeah. <laughs> But the more, obviously, the more you practice, the more you progress and the better you get. But it's true. Like once you can, I remember somebody telling me once about not so much about music, but learning a language. Mm -hmm. Um, They said that when you start dreaming or thinking Mm -hmm. in that new language that you're learning, you know, you've got it. And, And that reminded me of the music. It's like when you start to see it, like, and you can just play it muscle memory. um, You're like, maybe you've got it. Yeah, it's so true. I went overseas when I was 25. I was going to work in London as a um, as a nanny, but I ended up getting a job in Switzerland for four years wow. as a nanny. And they sent me to French school because, you know, they didn't speak English. And I picked up French. Um, I believe it's because I am a musician. I'm a classically trained pianist. I believe that that really helped me. I picked up the language so quickly, became fluent, did some uni studies in it. It was amazing, but I do remember the first time I started dreaming in French. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Wow! <laughs> so oh it my obviously god. formed so many connections, and those connections were so strong mm. that it was having that. If you know, it's now you can feel it, you can see it, you can see it happening. And if I can just go into what the implications are for children when we learn as adults, we have the cognitive capacity to reflect on our learning a lot more than with children. That's why it's a little bit harder for us to learn as adults. It's not impossible for sure. It's a little bit harder. That's why we need to try as hard as we can to um, to support our young people to learn things and give them as many meaningful experiences, yes, in music and mindfulness, but with many things, when they are young and when their brains are a lot more responsive so that they're not spending their energy thinking, oh, I'm learning this. I'm really enjoying learning this. They're just learning it. They Mm. are absorbing it. They are loving it. They are playing with it. They're learning it on a physical, mental, social, emotional level because they are so open and receptive, you know, very critical time. Oh, such a critical time. So how can Mm. services out there, well, I just wanted to repeat what you said, actually, that Mm. music lights up the entire brain. Like how magical is that? Yeah, Um, it really is. Yeah. There was a study done again. I'm I'm so bad at remembering the names of studies, (laughs) but I can tell you about it. Yeah, me Um, too. It was the 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 researcher that talked about this he called it fireworks in the brain and it's, yes. it was about 20 years ago when you're able when they had the the scientific um the technology sorry doing functional MRIs and PET so people were wired up and listening to music and and also so they did one with um listening to music and then one actually playing music mm. and so yeah, both both studies showed that the the brain, all the parts of the brain lit up at the same time. Whereas if you're just listening to language, for example, it's mainly your language centers that are working. Or if you're um, doing a motor, ta- you know, a muscle task, it's usually your motor cortex that is just lighting up. Whereas music lights up that whole brain. So therefore, you're going to have more potential to make more neural connections. That's That's, again, why it's so important to bring it in early childhood. 
And is it just like, is it playing music or it's listening to music or it's dancing? Like yeah. what elements of that are these fireworks in the brain? Yeah. So this is where my studies are. I'm doing some studies with Bigger Better Brains at the moment on the neuromusical research. So my knowledge is growing of that in mm. terms of the tiny little specific details. But there does seem to be a very clear difference between just listening to music and engaging with musical learnings they found obviously and you would this sort of makes common sense the more you learn an instrument or learn um even with voice they've found it with um vocalists as well the more you hone those skills the more actual change physical change you're going to have in the brain now that is a different pathway itself because we all know that um, learning an instrument or learning um vocal singing takes time dedication perseverance you know often it's it can have a monetary um, implication as well in paying for lessons access to lessons so yes you know we want to be able to support our young people people in general to learn an instrument but if we are going to do one thing we must start somewhere and we need to do something rather than nothing engage in musical listening musical appreciation simple things like beat keeping, dancing, moving in time to music because remember those beat keeping and moving in rhythm, what we're seeing on the outside, so watching a, a young baby or a young toddler dance. Oh, yeah, you know, little groove. Bit, yeah, little groove. <laughs> yeah. That's reflecting on what's happening cognitively, what's actually happening in the brain. Are there synchronizations? Are there connections in coordination? So – you know, that just come back to the practical things, being exposed, um, appreciating, listening to different types, moving. Yep, those are all really key things that we need to be doing. Then the next level is learning an instrument. But that, mm. again, that takes time, that takes dedication. As we grow older, that's, you know, that's what we want to be aiming for as well. But let's let's bring them in, in our young children and let them learn through play, you know, so is it just a matter of like, would you recommend um, or when you work with services, mm. is there a set like um, structure or system? Like, do you introduce instruments and just let them yeah. have a go just to impl- implement that interest? Or yeah, what do you recommend? Definitely, yeah, definitely. You know, I and when I say this, you know, there's always um, different element, uh, different age groups. You know, I'll still, I love my egg shakers because they're smooth, they're um like for the children that are still mouthing, they're easily cleanable. Um, you know, there's those practical elements as well. But it gives young children, uh, you've got to expose them to different types of instruments for sure. Um, so you want to expose them to things like egg shakers, maracas, claves or rhythm sticks so you can get benefit of cross mid- crossing the midline, coordination, Um I really believe that keyboards, portable keyboards are wonderful with a pair of headphones in particular. They're a wonderful regulation, self-regulation tool because you've got the earphones on. You can just explore the piano, explore the sounds of highs and lows. All of, you know, everything that we do in early childhood is introducing them you know, introducing through play. So please let's bring in heaps of different instruments. Don't just get them a whole basket of instruments and say, go for it. We need to respect that they're, they've, you know, 
been made with care and love and let's look at it. Let's investigate it. Let's be curious. What do you think this is? What do you know about it already? Critically reflecting on what the children already know about it, intentionally, you know, bring that intentionality into it by the, the things that you want them to, to find out about it. This is called a maraca. Mm. They may know it's a maraca. They may just call it a shaker and that's mm. fine. But did you know that this actually has a name and it's a maraca and there's a story behind it? It started as being a vegetable in South America and they hollow it out and they eat the produce and then they create an actual instrument out of it. They paint it, you know, so there's a whole story behind it and you can you can tailor the information to the age group you're working with. But even just young babies, letting them feel the cold or the smoothness of an egg shaker, get them to track it with their eyes. These are all important skills that they need to be learning and we can support them with, you know. And so you've been working with services for a really long time and going in and offering these workshops. And I know Mm. that you're now on that bigger mission and bigger journey. So where are you evolving so right now I am offering a an online workshop and I you know for the centers that are close to me in Tasmania I'd love to be able to come in um, and do this in person to to reach more people I'm offering it online because I think that's a wonderful way to tap in it's a, it's a 90 minute workshop where we look at how we can actually practically embed into our routines that we already do and if you think about habit stacking. Habit stacking works when we want to learn a new habit. Let's stack it onto something that we already do. So you think about the transition times during an early childhood program. We've got nappy changing or toileting or that self-care time. We've got indoor outdoor transitions. We've got when we do gather as a as a group, whether it's a circle time, a yarn time, and um, we've got feeding meal times and then we've got our rest rest and sleep times. So if we're mindful of those transitions, which te- which can sometimes be really chaotic and full energy and stressful for educators and children, come on, put your shoes on, let's go. If we are mindful and slow down and prepare and look ahead to how we can bring calming music at 60 beats per minute or how we can bring... Um, you know, how we can gain attention in our group time rather than just saying, okay, everybody is sitting down, eyes on me now, start up a beat, mm. start a pass the beat game. I love this one. You know, you, you just tap on a part of your body, keep it in time and you'll start seeing the children start copying you. And then, oh, I wonder if they're watching. You don't say anything, but you're just showing with your body. Right. Maybe go to your knees. And that's why it's like that knock-on effect of, oh, there's something happening here. I wonder what's happening. Mm. And then once you've gained their attention, then you can bring in the element that you want to do, whether it's a story or questions that you want to talk about. Yeah. And, so children, these- and children are not supposed to sit still. So if we give them a movement no, exercise, exactly. and like yeah. you shared earlier um, in the episode about, you know, tapping and, and the yes. benefits of that for emotional regulation and our nervous system regulation, yeah. it's such a playful yeah. way to incorporate that into your day. Isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? And I often think, you know, just even with breathing techniques, I've got a free PDF on my website that's just five breathing techniques. I didn't make them up per se, but these are the ways that I've made them useful for me, for the educators and the children that I work with. You know, let's let's bee breathe. Let's pretend we're smelling the flowers like a bee. 
deep breath in through your nose and let's buzz out the beeps. So we're getting by actually making the sound bzzz, we're getting the biofeedback that we're bringing our attention to our mouth. Mm. And then we're also supporting our muscle coordination as well in our muscles that we'll need later on when we're um, forming letters and knowing how to write letters and read and things like that. So there's all these tiny things we can um, weave into our daily routines that then say, for example, the breathing, if we're, if a child is having, you know, a real crisis or they're, they need some support with their regulation, we can play, just remember the bee breathing. You know, we can bring it in then. Don't try and teach them how to breathe when they're <laughs> in that moment. having a meltdown. Yeah. In the moment, no way. That red in the brain, yeah. yes. <laughs> Ready the brain, prepare the brain, prepare your prepare your rest times and your sleep times with already quiet music in the background or a guided meditation if you're trying to keep your eyes on, on a smaller, younger group of children, but you've got some older group of kids that that really, you know, not you, you're wanting to support them, help them by li- getting them to listen to a lovely, soft, guided meditation, you know, or a sound walk. Mm. So there's so many elements, and I really want to bring that practical element in this workshop link it back to the elements of the of the framework in particular the ones that have been updated in terms of growth mindset talking about the language of learning using positive positive words to um, describe you know I can see that you're really trying to learn this new skill or if they're getting frustrated oh gosh you you're trying so hard to learn that new skill do you want to have a little game and then we can come back to it and mm. you know just offering um just offering a different lens, a perspective to look through instead of just saying, okay, we've, okay, we've got to get some nappy changes done. Can you do some? And then I'll do some. Use that moment to sing to the child or to, to talk about what you're doing. Okay. We're getting you so nice and clean now. Gosh, you're going to feel so fresh and ready to play and learn now that we're, you know, just the language of it as well. So I'm really excited to, to do this workshop and it's, it's coming up at the end of November, um, but it's something that I would like to offer if there's enough interest, and I really hope there is, because um, I think it's something that we can, instead of just thinking, oh, gosh, mindfulness music, I don't want to add it to my program because I've already got so much going on. <laughs> yeah. Let's learn about some ways that we can habit stack it, and I can support you in that. So Yeah, yeah. and habit stacking might be something that our listeners are not so familiar with, but what ex- – I- Yes. And what, so what excites me about it is those meaningful transitions are such an important part of our day. So, mm. and with anything we do, like you said, we don't want to add additional things, just have it as no. part of already what we're doing. And, mm. and so what excites me about that is, and I've been, because I've been having these conversations with services over the past few weeks is they're starting to get lots of different visitors and lots of different guests and lots of different people come <sighs> in, like an artist, a scientist, a naturist, a <laughs> Um, a musician, like all of these people. Um, and I look at it and I and we've had these robust conversations to be like, why are we not setting more educators mm-hmm. up for success and equipping them with the skills and knowledge to be able to offer that to children on an ongoing basis? Yeah, this is such a great point, Lisa. I'm so glad you've brought it up because there is value in what you're talking about and what centres are doing, you know, bringing that connection to community. And we need to make sure that we're... Um, I don't want to just say ticking the box for our accreditation and things like that. 
we need to think, we need to reflect on why we are bringing those people in and how can we support our educators that we are already invested in. We know that their educator morale is can be very low. It can be, it there can be a lot of pressure and lots of challenges to overcome working in this space. Lots of rewards for sure, but it can be, you know, you're dealing with humans dealing with the dynamics of personalities and you know um and what's going on through the day we need to make sure that we are valuing our educators that we already invested in valuing them to feel like they are part of our community part of our learning experience giving them the opportunity to upskill and to bring their own um bring their own stories in as well like you you know, I've I've discovered just through a, a casual conversation with some people that they used to be a musician, similar to yourself. You know, learning as a, <laughs> learning an instrument as a child, and then being told that oh no, you're not going to be a musician or a piano player for for real. So don't worry about doing it anymore. Or, you know, for your experience, your fingers aren't nimble enough to <laughs> to play the piano. So don't bother. Mm. You know, by having the by valuing that educators might bring different. Um, perspectives and might have their own contributions in this space of musical learning and mindfulness we are valuing them as uh, as the um as the community of learning rather than outsourcing it yes there's value in outsourcing I wouldn't have got so many gigs if there wasn't but now I'm ready to pass on that knowledge and that expertise and those skills to the people that are already invested also in the children that already have those safe relationships, secure relationships, or that want to boost those relationships. Very important. Oh, and you've mm. already touched base around the many benefits of music. And I think mm. that's where we evolve to as professionals is like, you know, we work with smaller groups. We, we um, I think, hone our craft. And I think mm. that's the real period of honing the craft, actually doing it every day with those groups of children. Mm. But then the opportunity, you see how much value it's having on the children and the educators to then yeah. that's the next step in growth is to be able to yeah. share that on a bigger scale with, with many things. And educators are in such a beautiful position to have that impact on our future generations so and I think the value of music and I mean even you if you think back to memories it's such an anchoring time like different songs have different memories Um, so even for us as adults like that's something I still and it can shift the mood and mindset so quickly Definitely. And that's a great question for a service to ask, like how are you using music as part Mm -hmm. of your everyday practice? Because I I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a decline. Mm, Yeah, very much so. And I have have some really good friends that are uh, vocational trainers and they are seeing a decline in the actual, the modules that are being taught in our Cert 3 and our diplomas Mm. and even at a bachelor level as well. There's very little that's, the arts in general, um, but specifically musical learning as well. But I, I, do you know what? I just think back to common sense. We've got all this research to show how supportive musical learning is and engaging with music is on our brain health, on our well-being, on our development. And then you add the stuff, you know, all the benefits of mindfulness and breathing and calming and co-regulation um, tapping into joy, tapping into creativity and pleasure. If you bring those two elements in, it's like they supercharging 
they can supercharge our brains, our bodies, our minds and our hearts. Why aren't we doing more of it? Like that just seems to me to be a no-brainer. I know I'm doing lots of puns to do with the brain, but <laughs> like why aren't we doing more of that? Why why aren't we bringing those elements? I love to call it sneaking the veggies into the hamburgers, you mm. know, when you want your kids or to eat veggies and they don't want them. Well, just chop them up really finely and sneak them into a hamburger and they're eating them. And And I just, you know, it's a weird kind of analogy, but I do see that as bringing in those elements of music, musicality. And even just, here's another practical tip. Just have you ever tried, you know, with an instruction like, okay, time to put your shoes on. Okay, let's put your shoes on. Come on, we've got to go outside. Put your shoes on. I've, you know, I'm guilty. I do it with my own kids. Pack your bag. Let's go in the car. Yes, it's time to let's school. Go. Yeah. If you just stop for a moment because you feel your frustration, take a breath and sing the instruction or chant it. If you're not a singer, mm. that's Okay. Just chant the instruction, alter your pitch because our brains are actually wired to respond to musical sounds. And when I say that, I'm talking about changing pitch. So a kind of a high, low, high tone and then a low tone or something like this is more exciting than come on, put your shoes on, you know. (laughs) Yes. Put your shoes on. So we're wired to respond to that musical element Mm. um, the same way as, you know, if, if we sense a dangerous um, experience for a child, we won't go, hey, I think you should get down from that ladder right now, darling. It's like, oh, hop down from the ladder. Our voice immediately goes lower. Mm. It's, it's got more our, tim, our, our tone of our voice becomes a little bit, I wouldn't say harsh, but it's a little bit, it's stronger. Mm. Whereas if we're talking to a baby, we use that parentese voice. We're softer, we're gentler, it's slowing down, we're creating a safe environment, a connection. So if we think about even just the way that we, if we start bringing our mindset into the way that we use our voice, that's bringing mindfulness in. It's it's not that you have to go out to a yoga retreat and do meditation for hours on end to be mindful. It's just those tiny little elements throughout your day. Just bring your attention to those. Yeah, and being more intentional mm. mm. with how we use it and what we do. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. Such beautiful practical tips that we can just really mm. input. And that tone of voice is something that often we don't even think about. But yes. I also think we need to be more intentional about it um, yeah, in our definitely. everyday because, um, yeah, I think that's something that we do so unconsciously. But mm. if we're more intentional about how we use it, like our voice is such an instrument of its own. It is. Um, everybody's got access to our voice. When I say everybody, um, you know, obviously people um, who who don't have a voice, who, who may use sign language as their communication, well, then we can still use body language, eye contact, um, you know, all those all those different ways of communicating. But certainly when we have a voice, we can we can be very mindful of how we're using it as well. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you a question because yeah. what I've been finding in services is that children are losing, because I know that children's creativity has decreased by 90% over the last mm. 10 years, which oh. is like, isn't that insane? Like yeah. with all the technology and all of the closed-ended experience, you know, Fisher and Pike mm. or light up little toys mm. um, that have mm-hmm. one use. So mm-hmm. it's really important for services to have those open-ended experiences for children to be able to create um, and opportunities. But with what I've been finding with technology is that 
Our children have been asking to dance, but they will only dance when we put the dance on the TV um, Mm. for them to copy. Yeah. And so is that the same? uh, What I want to know is, is it the same thing? (laughs) Like, are they getting the most benefit? Because I don't think they're actually using any of their own creativity. They're just copying what's happening on the screen. Yeah, I, I'm one of those parents that <laughs> I'm a bit harsh with the screen time that I, we, well, my husband and I um, really strongly believe that screen, screen can be a wonderful tool used intentionally, but we don't have a lot of screen in our house. We do monitor our screen use only because we feel that if we, can intentionally support our children to have quality screen rather than the quantity of it. You know, there's certainly a lot of value in sitting down, relaxing and watching your favourite movie or your favourite show. Then there's elements of screen that is more interactive. So they love, um, you know, they love playing computer games that do have that element of, you know, interaction and, and thinking in terms of, dancing for example we don't have um you know we don't have a nintendo or anything like that playstation home but i'm thinking in terms of when you have screen time in centers yes there's value in it but i think you've got to be very careful because if you're if you're just sort of putting something in there for the children to copy then that is a closed end that's just an example of another closed end experience yeah this is my thinking if you're, you know, yes, you're, you're getting them to move and you're getting them to coordinate, but if that's the only screen time and the only example of dancing that you're presenting to them, then you are limiting the amazing amount of wonderful, um, you know, opportunities. Think of all the Indigenous cultures and the way that they dance and the way, you know, just it, it it just brings up country, it brings up connection with animals, um, culture, all these different things. And then you have your hip hop and then you have your ballroom dancing, then you have your Celtic dancing. There are so many types of dancing. Yeah. Use your screen time to investigate that. Use it as a cultural exploration. Let's go around the world and look at what different cultures do with dancing. Make up your own. Put on the silly walks from um, Monty Python. Have you ever seen that? No, that's I haven't hilarious. seen that one. Is oh that God, good? I have hilarious. to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Completely nothing to do with dancing, but it's to do with movement. So yeah. let's critically reflect on what dancing is. It's a movement of our bodies. Look at the, um, is it the Sufi um, when they go into the meditation through their dancing? Is that? Um, oh, I don't know the name of the it. Swirl- oh. I know I what you to, mean, though, yeah. yeah, where they do, yeah. Where they're swirling and swirling and swirling yeah. and they end up going into a meditative trance. Yeah, so look wow. at the, you know, look at all the different ways of dancing. I mean, I'm, I I think screen time needs to be more intentional and I love the fact that we can support our children to use access those technologies. Think of all the things that you and I could have, you know, done when we were growing up if we had that access, Lisa. Like, seriously, you and I are so curious about life. We would have blown our minds with what we could have discovered but as grown-ups we need to be really intentional on what we're offering them screen time needs to be quality please try and have a a, um if the if it's not an interactive element because i do a lot of story i've got a youtube channel that um it's very little you know there's not a lot of followers but it's interactive i do a screen music and story time i have pauses in that so that 
I'm pretending that the children are responding watching me yes. because I think that's important. I don't know who's watching me, but I'm sure someone is and they want their, their turn to have their say. So I'll wait for them and then yes. I'll pretend that that's happening. You know, so think about screen being intentional and just uh, just another way that we're offering an experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly right. It's just an an additional tool and just being really deliberate and purposeful with with how we're using that tool. Yeah. Yeah. And it does have a place, but really thinking with intentionality with how that's Mm. used. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you. Mm, Um, And you've shared so many practical and amazing things that services can just implement straight away and really excited for your upcoming workshop. So we'll make sure that we get all of that information sent out to all of our listeners. And so is there any parting words or anything that you want to leave um, with our listeners today that we haven't spoken about yet? Um, so many things, but probably <laughs> the biggest thing. Yeah, there's always going to be yes. a million things. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think um, the main thing I want people to take away from today is that you do not need to play an instrument or to sing in tune to be musical. Please understand that musicality is expressed in so many different ways and um, what your musical bone looks like. Everybody has a musical bone. I do not believe that, you know, when somebody says, I don't have a musical bone in my body, I, I, I say no. I say you just haven't discovered it yet or you haven't been allowed to explore it in your own way. If, yeah, if you can just be curious and open-minded to that idea that musicality is very different into in everybody's way then you will be more open to the possibilities and then you will be more you'll value it more in your connections and your programs with children you'll be more open to embedding it into sneaking sneaking it in and the same with mindfulness but in particular musicality we've unfortunately been um, social media and media in general has probably done a lot to um, sort of um, make that image being you have to be a singer or, you know, a musical, professional musical person to be musical. So just remember that everybody has a musical bone. Mm. I love that. And to go into it with a curious lens, yeah, because definitely. I think what message are we sending children if as the adults in the space that yes. we're not curious and we're not trying things, yeah. if we're afraid to fail or look silly, um, what message are we sending to the children? Yeah. yeah. And that's the element of the growth mindset. And that's bringing it back to the, the learning outcomes. You know, we need to have that language of what a mindset is, what a growth mindset is, you know. We need to unpack that a bit more. So, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And I'm so, so excited for services to be able to do that. I think oh, growth mindset too. is just something that we all we all need and Im- need to embrace. Yeah, um, so I'm really definitely. excited for services to delve into that. But mm. awesome. So how can people find you, Christy, if they want to track you down? Yeah, so my, my company is actually called Movers and Shakers Music. It's a bit of a mouthful, but I've got the M-double-O because a little cow and a pig. And my little mascots on my website, you'll see it. So (laughs) that's the easiest way to connect with me, moversandshakersmusic.com.au. On my website, you'll see resources that are free to download or to tap into my YouTube channel. Um, And then, you know, there's some small offerings for short courses, webinars, and then obviously this new one coming up. So 
um, yeah, I just like to try different things as well and see what people are really needing out there. I'm really, I'm really committed to serving um, people in the early years space because, you know, it's it's such an important industry. You know, so crucial. And so, if mm-hmm. services are open to just wanting to incorporate more musicality into their mm-hmm. um, routines or rituals, yeah. they should get in touch with you to be able yeah, to work out do. a program for them. Yeah, and you know, they can just give me. I've you know just. You can always just book a 15-minute discovery call with me and just to chat. There's no – you don't have to lock anything in with me. I don't want to make people feel like they have to buy something. Just chat with me because sometimes it's just that planting that seed and chatting with someone. Even if we don't end up working together, I might know something or somebody that I can put you in touch with. So – you know, of course I'm I'm going to be supporting my own business, but at the end of the day, I'm a human. I want this for other people. I want to help other people. So um just jump on the jump on the phone and have a chat with me and see what we can do. Love that. Mm. Well, thank you so mm. much for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom, knowledge and thank passion. You. It's been You're such a welcome. pleasure to have you on today. Um, and I look forward to many more conversations and seeing where your beautiful movers and shakers music um, takes you and takes the sector. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I've really appreciated this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.